today uh, we are going to talk about one of Rumi's uh, poems. Uh, it is called Come, Come, Whoever You Are. Uh, Reverend Ariana, who is on sabbatical and will be for another two weeks where she will be returning to us, uh, she wrote, prepared those emails that she sends out to the community. And in it, she wrote uh, that I was going to speak about Come, Come, Whoever You Are, and also that uh, I am a Sufi. And so I was going to just speak briefly uh, to that. Uh, we are blessed here in this um, space that of unity uh, that uh, all faith traditions are honored and are respected and have room, even though unity uh, itself, the movement itself, the new thought movement itself is steeped in uh, the Christian tradition and both Myrtle and Charles Fillmore, which are the founders of unity, um, very much uh, loved uh, uh, their Christian roots so much that they made a very big commitment to the sacred scriptures of the Bible. And so a lot of the imagery and the metaphor and the teachings are gleaned from Jesus being a way shower and uh, being uh, a teacher to all of us that we can emulate and learn from. The truth is about my own path that I will speak a little bit to is that, yes, uh, I was in my late 20s when I left Switzerland uh, after a big, uh, impactful uh, spiritual longing hit my heart and I needed to find uh, big answers for big questions. And I was um, led to join a spiritual, uh, intentional community in southern Illinois. Uh, and they were, uh, as I found out as I arrived, um, <laughs> they were uh, a Sufi community. Uh, it's called the Diemi Tariqat, the Order of Diemi. I didn't care at that time because all I needed to be is not in Switzerland where I left, <laughs> where I left a so-called successful career as an architect and everything was lined out for me to look a certain way. And I said, no, I'm going somewhere else. So it didn't matter what it looked like, but when I did hear the prayers and when I did bow my first prayer, I knew that this was going to be a fit uh, for me, that this was going to be a response or at least a doorway uh, to the longing of my heart. I lived there for eight years and I, uh, we lived in this community, it would be an ashram maybe you would call it, and uh, very rigorous uh, prayer and meditation practices and service. It was an all-encompassing experience that always geared to open the heart. Sufism is oftentimes called a tradition of the heart and our uh, 
Rumi, a teacher Rumi, uh, he oftentimes said that uh, mystical uh, Islam, Sufism is all about developing practices that we can polish the mirror of our hearts. And he said that the conditioning and the pain of our life will create a film of soot over top of the heart and that our practices are geared towards polishing layer by layer, starting to take away and kind of coming, discovering the innocence and the purity and the love, the divine love that is in our hearts. This is a mystical Islam. I uh, have, uh, 12 years ago, um, we moved, our family moved to Colorado Springs. I did leave the Sufi community, and as that, I can no longer call myself a Sufi. So I'm correcting what was put in that uh, email, because Sufism is a tradition that exists within the relationship of a community, and especially within the relationship of a spiritual teacher. And me moving away from this has, in that way, I have moved outside of that label. I have not moved outside of the heart that I uh, keep and the love I keep for the prayers and the tradition. And I hope um, that it is um, in favor. I have found unity from that place of leaving uh, leaving the safety and the order and the structure of that environment and have found that unity, uh, mystical, the mystical side of, of unity uh, very much uh, complements and has in many ways enriched uh, that place that I have come from. And so in light of this, I would like to uh, start with um, the prayer that is always bringing me back to center, always bringing me home. I hope that you will enjoy. <clears throat>
tin Yakana budua yakana starin Ehtina sirata mustakin Sirata latina hanam Jalaluddin Rumi, <clears throat> he lived in the years 1207 to 1273. And so he was a 13th century Persian poet, jurist, in the very uh, well-trained in Islamic law. He was also an Islamic scholar and theologian and Sufi mystic uh, later in his life. When the Mongols invaded Central Asia between 1215 and 1220, so you can imagine Rumi was a boy of eight until he was in his uh, adolescence. Uh, Rumi and the family, a big gathering uh, of uh, people, uh, left Balkh, which is in present-day Afghanistan, and they left with the family and the group of disciples and migrated for several years uh, trying to find uh, sacred and safe territory where they can uh, be and uh, live. So extensive, extensive traveling, you can read where all the places they have been. And then before even returning and trying to find where new home was going to be, uh, this group and the family performed the pilgrimage to Mecca. And eventually they did settle in Konya, who is uh, in present day uh, Western uh, Turkey. Konya to this day is the seat of um, the Mevlana order that was founded after the passing uh, of Rumi and is a very vibrant uh, spiritual community. Many of you may know the whirling dervishes that are part of that uh, tradition. Yes, who has had the luck to see whirling dervishes? Oh my God, many. It's on my bucket list. Yes, yes, I, I, wanna, I would like to experience that very much. In the background of this story, and just imagining a little bit the life that they, uh, that Rumi and his family lived, uh, we can hopefully put this uh, poem uh, that I will be talking or reflecting from today in perspective. It is called, Come, Come, Whoever You Are. <clears throat> come, come, whoever you are, 
wanderer, worshipper, lover of leaving. It doesn't matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come, even if you have broken your vows a thousand times. Come, come, yet again come. Rumi's invitation stands clear. He says, come, come join us. This is not a caravan of despair. Leave the known behind and come open for newness to grow, for change. Pilgrimage as a spiritual or religious obligation or voluntary offering has been practiced Uh, across the globe for a very, very long time. I will be talking about pilgrimage and maybe as we can uh, adapt or take some of the learning that comes from the structure of pilgrimage into our own spiritual practices and life. You have to imagine that pilgrimage was a very dangerous endeavor. And many of the people who left on pilgrimage never really knew uh, if they were ever going to come back. The motivation for this kind of pilgrimage that we're talking about today was often a fervor, religious fervor, or even a sense of duty. Acts of devotion can come in there too, or seeking penance. Or sometimes people left to seek God's mercy or a favor. Only later, only in maybe in these days, people in our uh, culture will endeavor to go on pilgrimage for a spiritual search. And there's oftentimes a lot of luxury involved. But again, as we look back historically, what pilgrimage meant, oftentimes it was one of those, uh, we're leaving, but we don't know if we're coming back. Pilgrimage, the idea of pilgrimage, or the, the prototype archetype of pilgrimage always includes a place that we leave from, always includes a journey, and always includes a destination. That's what makes a pilgrimage a pilgrimage. And there is, on some level, the conception that we are here incomplete in search for something or in need for something, and that there is a way that we can reach a destination, and there is where we will receive, uh, uh, where we will be granted absolution, where we will be granted blessing, forgiveness, whatever we are seeking. Unity sees things a little bit differently. In unity, we affirm that really there is nowhere to go. That everything that we may be seeking, everything that we may long for, everything that we can only conceive, really in truth, is already here. 
as we are learning about unity principles, we always affirm our oneness. We always affirm that we are absolutely connected to the divine in whatever moment we could ever be. There is no place other than right here where God is more. There is no place where God will be more accessible than right here and right now. Now, how could we then benefit from this whole idea of spiritual pilgrimage? I think many of us know that even though we can speak the words, God is here right now, that oftentimes we don't really experience it just like that, right? Or are we all already there? Then we don't. Then we can go right to singing the song. If we, <laughs> if we knew that we are really already there, if we are absolutely enlightened and loved and connected, immersed in divine spirit and divine presence, if we really knew that, we probably wouldn't be here. I'm glad you are here. And I would like to uh, talk about five different movements in pilgrimage that may be helpful uh, to us as we know that we are right here, right now, and still doing the inner journey and uh, to touch on that sacred place, the divine axis within. Number one When we go on pilgrimage, historically speaking now, the outer pilgrimage, we prepare and we come clean. That is, especially in the Middle Ages, a very, very important part. You don't just go on pilgrimage. Oftentimes, it meant that a whole village prepared for one person to be able to leave. They gathered resources The person who was going on pilgrimage had the uh, obligation, or of obligation, had the calling to come as a clean slate. Every debt had to be removed. Every amend had to be made. Every unfinished business was tried to be completed before entering into pilgrimage. Then, just before the big day of leaving, the community gathered together. The church, the people were there to support the pilgrim and give them their final blessings. And very often, the person who left also came with, like, you need to do this for the whole village. Okay, so there was a sense of, of uh, taking responsibility for the needs of the people that were surrounding them and sending that person off. The journey itself, you imagine, wasn't like today we travel all over the globe and see pictures from all over the place for the people who left on a pilgrimage, let's say, to Jerusalem, to Rome, to Santiago de Compostela, these people, they had never left their village or their surrounding village. So for them, that journey was about encountering the unknown, encountering, encountering the new. 
and being open, coming, coming open, coming curious. As we come closer to the destination, comes oftentimes in pilgrimages, there are steps that you do, you prepare yourself to arrive. And when we arrive, oftentimes there is this tremendous exchange, or that's the hope or the promise of pilgrimage, that here is that exchange from here I come with humility, here I come with my quest, here I come with the quest of all of those that have sent me along, and here I am giving this, and in return, of course, the hope is that I am being filled, I am being forgiven, I am whatever the the intent or much more of what the intent could have been. Here is that exchange in the stillness of the destination. Oftentimes we think, okay, now we're good. We're good, we're done. But imagine these people that just had arrived. Now they're eating, now they're being... Now we're going to have to turn around and now we're going to have to go home. We have to retrace every single step that we came. Every single step we have to revisit. This is the time of integration. This is the time of going home. And as we come home, there is, of course, unexpectedly, because they never knew if somebody was going to come back, there's the village awaiting the pilgrim to say, bring us the blessing and share the blessing with us. As in unity, we affirm that God is not out there, the blessing is not out there, or salvation is not out there. The only place where we can travel to is inward. And so we as mystics of unity, we are called to travel this inward journey. And to travel, to leave the ordinary behind and come as pilgrims uh, to land to the destination of our heart and the destination where we can know the place of communion with the divine. This is the inner journey and all of us are called to become pilgrims. And just as the archetype proposes, I hope that maybe we can look at using our spiritual practices along with some of those beautiful ideas that we can uh, glean from that, uh, from that archetype. <clears throat> Again, spiritual practices, oftentimes we think that's prayer, that's meditation, um, what else? 
But we have, again, in unity, because we know we're different people from the many different paths. Some people find their time of stillness, their time of introspection, when they garden, when they engage in exercise, when they are out in nature. We heard about that last week, using being in nature as a spiritual practice, using mindfulness in whatever activity that we do, can become that spiritual practice. So please, when you hear what I'm saying, just find where your spiritual practice may lay and how that would look for you. Number one was preparing for the journey. Sometimes we get discouraged because we, we close our eyes and then we think we should be meditating. And then we say, I can't meditate. It's like, doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for me. To seek the stillness oftentimes can benefit from certain steps. As we prepare, we can set that intention. I say, I am coming present and I'm coming here for my time of stillness. One of my dear friends uh, she is in the Catholic tradition. She really takes herself out when she goes to church or when she gets ready. Actually, she all the time, she just looks always like so perfect. And uh, I say, well, why are you doing that? And she said, well, I am going to meet my maker. And how would I come all disheveled and unprepared? So how about thinking when we go and meet our maker or come into the stillness in our hearts that we think of it as the most beautiful, most longed for rendezvous with the divine. And that we come just as a lover would come when the doorbell rings and we open the door and we come prepared, we are looking good. And so that's how we want to enter the place of stillness in intent. I am ready, I am here, and I am fully present. I'm clean, I left behind what I don't need for this moment of interaction, for this moment of coming home. The journey itself Take sometimes a little bit of time and to be rushed and thinking and we should be we should be there in one uh, minute sometimes doesn't work. Emily Cady uh, writes in her lessons uh, in truth just so wonderfully about how we can make our journey uh, to meet the the sacred within. Uh, how we can make that journey easier and more pleasant for us. And she writes that definitely this is not a time to feel burdened by the endeavor that we are undertaking, but to come and relax into the time where we journey towards our place of communion. As, and she describes it's very beautiful as a, a state or an um, attitude of active passivity. 
that we are very, we come very awake and we come very act, very alert and very awake, ready and open for what's around the next bend. But at the same time, we are not the one making it happen. We're not the one who need to rush it and uh, work on it very hard. And that then, as we are entering the stillness that we assume a stance of waiting, just waiting and just being there. When we meet our destination, sometimes it's a glimpse, sometimes it's a longer period where we in unity would say, we are now meeting our I am nature. We are meeting, we're coming into our Christ consciousness where we have the opportunity to sink in and be filled by who we really are our spiritual core. Now, when we are there, it's nice to be there. Nobody wants to leave again, right? The blessing, it all happening. Then comes the journey back. And as we journey back into our life, into the tasks of our uh, worldly existence here, we are then called to own integrate and own those I am moments and that we can really bring back the blessing, integrate, make it our own. And as we come back into our environments where we are out here doing what is ours to do, is that then this is the place where we will share and where we will bless. Rumi writes, Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshipper, lover of leaving. It doesn't matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come, even, even if you have broken your vows a thousand times, come, come yet again, come. coming back again and again and not being discouraged if it's not happening right away is the secret to flexing the spiritual muscle to keep coming back the thing is and my dear Noreen McGregor keeps reminding me of that when we practice coming back and leaving. Is this a phone? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. When we... <laughs> I, I need that ringtone. Yeah. Oh, then you come back really quickly, right? Um, when we are out here... And you feel, sometimes we can feel we're totally out here, out there. Worried, concerned, scared, distracted, preoccupied, lost, 
in pain, whatever the life circumstances are, that when we find our spiritual practice that help us find our spiritual center, we can regroup, we can find strength, we can find the place where we can be nourished and fed, where we are in sync, and then we move back out into our life. And as we come back and come back and keep coming back, the hope and the promise is, is that it gets easier, it goes quicker, that is flexing the spiritual muscle of our, of our spiritual practices. And I tell you, I have sung that prayer so many times that I was doing today that I can just start with one tone. And I come right back. I remember. And breaking our vows, the way that Rumi understands it, is like, just keep coming back. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when we're out here and should and could and if only we did. But keep coming back and say, I'm going to engage. I'm coming present and I am going to honor my path and my place within. And this will change us. There is no way around doing these spiritual practices and being on the spiritual path without being changed. Mark Nepo, he writes on a little poem on being a pilgrim. To journey without being changed is to be a nomad. To change without journeying is to be a chameleon. To journey and to be transformed by the journey is to be a pilgrim. I would like to offer to you briefly the image of the whirling dervish and the practice of the whirling uh, as the uh, Rumi, um, the Mevlana order is practicing is a practice, a spiritual practice that is extremely powerful. And what it is very much is that the dervishes they have, uh, they plant themselves on one leg while propelling themselves in circles with the other leg. They have the right arm out with the palm up, facing upward and the left arm facing downward. And then they start spinning along with sacred chants and sacred music. And they will also spin or, or make big circles in the space. So there's a whole community that they will just spin very, very slowly in big circles. The meditation and the practice itself is designed to invite the practitioner, the whirling dervish, to find that inner axis. 
and the image of the divine communion, though the communion with the divine is happening right in that axis. It's the still point where everything stops, where the whirling, the turning, the movement, and everything stops. So all about this practice is designed to, in some way, invite the dervish to become a line, an axis that becomes non-existent. That's where true communion, that's where the true fulfillment of our sacred contract with Creator will happen. For the benefit of us here, I hope that as we are doing our little dance or our inner pilgrimage from being out there and being preoccupied in the world to coming in here and finding a place of an axis, a place of being in sync and belonging, that along this dance that we take, we will Every time we come back, we will bring a little bit more of the divine into our struggles of our day. Ultimately, unity theology or or metaphysics invites us to truly become spiritual beings having a human experience. And how we do that is by coming back and coming back and coming back. We, as mystics on the unity path, we are invited to become the spiritual beings that we are and express them out into the world. I think, Connie, wouldn't this be a good time for this beautiful song? Thank you.